Listen, if you're here for the first time, well, the joy of the Lord is amazing, isn't it? But I do want to tell you that I am not the pastor's wife. She will be back next week. Connie will be next week. They are, they are on vacation. So I have the privilege of sharing the word of God with you. And we're going to continue in our study of Nehemiah. We're going to be looking at chapter 2, verses 1 through 10 today. And maybe you're thinking, oh, the book of Nehemiah, really? What is this cupbearer who goes to rebuild the wall? What has that got to do with me? How could that possibly be relevant to me today? Well, can I tell you that this Nehemiah guy is an amazing guy? We're going to learn a lot from him. And I am so excited that I get to do this portion of scripture because there is an amazing event in these scriptures that I'm so excited to tell you about. So with that, we better get started. Would you pray with me? Father God, how we, oh, I just thank you for the joy in this room, Lord, just the love of each other and just the love of you, Lord, to be here, to be present with these women. What a privilege, what an honor, Lord. And so, Father God, in the name of Jesus, I ask that your Holy Spirit would come and fill this place, Lord. I pray, Lord, that we just leave behind the things of this morning getting here, Lord. I know the traffic and some of the obstacles that we run into because the enemy doesn't want us here, but we're here, Lord, and we're here to hear from you today, to hear that special encouragement, that special word that you have for us, Lord. May our ears be open. Father God, and we ask, Lord, that you bless our time together in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, loved ones, so we're going to be looking at Nehemiah chapter 2. I have titled this, The Good Hand of My God. That's what Nehemiah said, the good hand of my God. And as I, I read this, I had to stop and say, oh, Lord, thank you that your good hand has been on me from long before I even knew you. Can you stop and say that? Can you look back? I pray you would take time today, later on, not right now, because you need to pay attention, but a little bit later on today, that you would just stop and say, Lord, I could see how your good hand was upon me. I mean, can't you just remember those times when he got you out of some pretty Big jams, I certainly can, where he really saved my life in a lot of cases. So the good hand of my God is upon me. And Nehemiah says that in verse 8, he says, And the good hand grant, I'm sorry, and the king granted them to me according to the good hand of my God upon me. And again in verse 18, and I told them of the hand of my God which has been upon me and also in the king's words that he had spoken to me. So you see Nehemiah's heart here? What this man was going to do had not the good hand of God been upon him, I don't know how he would have been able to do what he did. And it's the same with you and me today. No matter what we're doing, where we are, the good hand of our God is upon us. Amen? Okay, so as we travel through this book of Nehemiah, there, I just want you to be on the lookout to see the good hand of God. You'll see it as he, as he takes this man to do this amazing, extraordinary things that he is going to do. And when I looked at Nehemiah, I thought, you know, I just want to uh, go over some of the characteristics of, of Nehemiah because we can glean so much from this man. He was a man of prayer. He knew that the hand of God was upon him. He was a faithful servant, not only to the king, but to God. 
and he was respectful of authority. He loved his land. Oh, he loved the Holy Land of Jerusalem. He was a man of integrity, and he was a man with a plan. He had a plan, and it was a plan that the Lord had put into his heart. You're going to see that as we go through the scriptures. Let's take a look at verses 1 through 3. And it came to pass in the month of Nisan, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, when wine was before him, that I took the wine and I gave it to the king. Now I had never been sad in his presence before. Therefore the king said to me, Why is your face so sad? Since you are not sick, is this nothing but sorrow of heart? So I became dreadfully afraid and said to the king, May the king live forever. Why should my face not be sad? When the city, the place of my father's tombs, lies in waste and its gates are burned with fire. So we know from chapter one, number one, the powerful uh, prayer that, that we talked about last week. Just amazing, the power of prayer. And also in chapter one, it says that his brother had actually come to him and he was the one that told him about what was happening in Jerusalem. And when he told him that, I mean, just, just the, the, this love that Nehemiah had for his, for his people. I love that about the Jewish people. They love their land, Jerusalem, because it's God's chosen city. It's his holy city. And when Nehemiah's brother told him that, his heart was just broken. And he prayed for about four months is what we're going to see before we get into chapter 2. So it wasn't just a quick prayer. He prayed, and the Lord answered his prayer, and you're going to see that as, as we go along. So our homework this week is be bold. Be bold. And, and I know you think I'm pretty bold because I'm up here, but honestly, I'm not very bold. I, I try to be, and I try to convince you that I am, but, uh, <laughs> but be bold. And so what is it that we're supposed to be bold in? Well, in Nehemiah's case, the fact that he actually went before the king was very bold. We're going we're gonna to see that in a minute. So we are told, I do have this boldness so right here in Hebrews 4.16. It says, so let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There will be there we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it the most. Don't you like that? That's the NLT. I like what it said. When we enter boldly into that throne room of God and boy, sometimes don't you just I mean, we just I run in there sometimes, just boldly run in there. But the Lord said I could. He said I could come boldly to his throne. And our God is always gracious and we will receive grace and mercy. And isn't it? Always when you need it the most, that's what I have found. Verses 4 and 5 in Nehemiah says, Then the king said to me, What do you request? So I prayed to God in, of heaven, and I said to the king, If it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in your sight, I ask that you send me to Judah, to the city of my father's tomb, that I may rebuild it. Okay, let's, let's break this down. We see the first thing he did was he prayed. Okay, now you're, you're going to say, well, gee, this had to be a pretty fast prayer. Well, it was when he was right before the king. But remember, he had been praying like four months prior to this. So we know that, that he prayed. And, you know, sometimes those quick prayers, sometimes you need those. I mean, yes, we should spend our time in prayer. But there are times when you just need like maybe a three-word prayer. We, we see that in Peter. Remember when Jesus came uh, walking on the water? They were in the, you know, the storm in the boats. And, and Peter goes, oh, 
Lord, can I come to you on the water? You know, he wanted to walk on water, good old Peter, right? So listen what happened. So in Matthew 14, 13, it says, um, have I got the right one? I, I'm sorry, girls, I missed a scripture. Back up, back up. I got ahead of myself, Philippians 4, 6. I can't miss this one. This is so cool. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. That's the scripture that goes with the prayer. I got a little ahead of myself there. So now the quick prayer when we get to Peter in Matthew 14, 30, it says, But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, saying, Lord, save me. Three words, right? Quick prayer. Lord, save me. Honestly, in my life, I had that quick prayer when I was in my car accident and I was hydroplaning on the Harbor Freeway. I literally cried out, Jesus, help me. Three words. And, he, and the car stopped. <laughs> you know, he saved my life. Jesus, help me. So sometimes we need a quick prayer, don't we? We're in a situation where maybe somebody's coming against you. You know, a quick prayer. The Lord hears those quick prayers too, those three little words. Okay, so the second thing we see uh, that Nehemiah, when he went before the king, is that he respected his authority. And, and we need to be mindful of that as well. We need to respect those who are in authority above me, above us. In Romans 13, 1, it says, Let every soul be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God. And the authorities that exist are appointed by God. Now, there is one exception that I know you guys are thinking, seriously, you want me to be in subjection to this authority we have going on in our world right now? A little scary, a little scary, but God has put those people in place for a purpose and for a reason. He knows we don't. We need to respect authority. Now, there is an exception, of course, when that authority would tell us to go against anything that is not in God's standards. And we see uh, an example of that in the New Testament, if you remember, um, Peter and some of the apostles had come before Sanhedrin, and they had told them that they could no longer talk or speak in the, in the name of the Lord. And this was their answer. But Peter and the other apostles answered and said, we ought to obey God rather than man. That's the exception to the rule. We need to obey God rather than men. We don't want to compromise. Don't compromise your faith. Don't compromise your position in the Lord. The third thing we see, that he was a servant. Nehemiah was a servant. Colossians 3.23 says, And whatever you do, do it heartily as unto the Lord and not to men. That's what Nehemiah was doing. And that's an example for you and me, that we should always be respectful. We should work those of you are, are, that are working, working is unto the Lord. If you work as unto the Lord, your, your employer is going to love you. He's going to love you. Okay, so we are called to be servants. In Galatians 5.13, it says, For you have been called to live in freedom, and my brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love, Right? That's what I just saw here this morning. You guys just loving one another. We're serving one another in love. Now, Nehemiah, he didn't have a choice. He was in 
you know, they were in captivity. This is coming, I believe, toward the end of the 70-year captivity. The Babylonian captivity is coming to an end. But, you know, they'd been taken captive. He didn't have a choice. He had to be a servant. We choose to be a servant, don't we? We choose to be a servant of the Lord. I love that. The fourth thing he asked, he said, if he found favor in the king's sight, in other words, King, if, if, if you find favor with me and you think it's okay, I need to move forward. You know, he, he's saying I need to move forward. And every time I see this term, found favor, I love it because it reminds me of Esther. Esther was so beautiful, not only on the outside, but on the inside. Look what it says about her. Now, when the, the turn came for Esther and daughter of Abihel, the uncle of Mordecai, who had taken her as a daughter, to go into the king, she requested nothing but what Haggai, the king's eunuch, the custodian of the women, advised. And Esther obtained favor in the sight of all who saw her. Don't you want that in your life? I want to find favor with whoever I, I come across. That finding favor means they see something different in you and me. And we want them to want that. And that's Jesus, right? We want to find find favor. Proverbs 12.2 says, a good man or woman obtains favor from the Lord, but a man of wicked intentions he will condemn. So that favor, when we find favor, is from the Lord as we look to him, as we go through this walk that sometimes is a little difficult, isn't it? This life can be uh, very challenging, but pray to find favor. I always, whenever my husband would go into a business meeting with customers, I always, oh Lord, could we just Please find favor in their sight, you know, that they would hire our company. They would use our company for our business. So that's always a good thing to pray. The fifth thing we see is his request. Uh, what Nehemiah uh, made, made uh, to, to the king saying, you know, please let me return to my father's tomb. Uh, where, you know, he's talking about Jerusalem. It says Judah, Judah, Jerusalem, same thing. That, you know, he just had a heart to go back and to build his city because it was in ruins. And this scripture always comes to mind when I think of that. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your path. That's exactly what Nehemiah was doing, wasn't he? trusting in the Lord with all of his heart. Because you know, when he came before the king, you know, and, and number one, being sad before the king was not a good thing. It simply wasn't allowed because it could have been like off with his head, right? He could have lost his life. So his total trust in the Lord we see here as he came before the king and asked these things. Then in verse 6, uh, he, he, the king asked him this question. He says, when, uh, Then the king said to me, the queen also sitting beside him, How long will your journey be, and when will you return? So it pleased the king to send me, and I set a time. So he set a time. He said, Look, king, I think this is going to take me so long. Uh, I will be back. And you know what, loved ones? He kept his promise. He came back. And, you know, I just, I thought about the king and how he had this discernment about Nehemiah that he saw he was sad, but he wasn't sick. And that was the first time ever, and we don't even know how many years he'd been serving the king, but the first time ever that he was sad in his presence. And yet this pagan king had the discernment to say, 
there's something wrong with you, Nehemiah. I mean, he cared. it looks like he literally cared about him. Of course, he really did have to trust him because, you know, he was the one that tasted the wine and tasted the food before it went to the king. So if he croaked, you know, the king wouldn't, wouldn't drink or eat any of that, you know. So he put his total trust, trust in Nehemiah. And I love how the Lord touched the heart of this pagan king to make all of these awesome things happen. And, and in verses 7 and 8, it says, Furthermore, I said to the king, If it pleases the king, let letters be given to me for the governors of the region beyond the river, and that they must permit me to pass through till I come to Judah, and a letter to Asaph, the keeper of the king's forest, that he must give me timber and make beams for the gates of the citadels, which pertains to the temple, for the city wall, and for the house that I will occupy. The king granted them to me according to the good hand of my God upon me. So they said, let us rise up and build. Then they set their hands to this good work. Is that an amazing thing, girls, that just happened there? I mean, and then Nehemiah is like, you know, he's a cupbearer, which is a pretty, actually a pretty high position. He was like an advisor to the king. And like I said, everything that went to the king had to go through Nehemiah first. So a highly trusted, really official, not just think of just a, a, a cupbearer. But here this man thought way ahead. Okay, so I'm going to need timber to build the walls to help uh, and even build me a house, he says, to live in. He needs a house to live in while they're rebuilding the walls. And, oh, you know what? I don't think I can go through that forest unless I have letters from you saying you're granting me to pass through. But not only is he granting him to pass through the forest and all these areas, you know, this is, he's traveling, I'm not sure, I think a thousand, maybe thousand plus miles to get to Jerusalem from where he is in Persia. Um, so he had a pretty long journey ahead of him, and, and he just started rattling off all these things. Well, I, I need the timber, and I need this, I need to build a house, and, and if I don't have letters from you, king, they're going to probably, you know, off with his head type thing. So he thought about that, and the Lord grant, I mean the Lord, the king caused, the, the Lord caused the king to grant him every single thing he needed for this journey and, you know, we also have a, have a promise from the Lord. In Philippians, it says, And my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. That's our promise. He will supply everything you need, no matter what you put your hand to, whatever task you're doing. Our God, if you will acknowledge him in all your ways, he will direct your path. That is an awesome promise. So, you know, so Nehemiah gets all this stuff. He's getting ready to leave, and he's on his way, and he gets there, and they're, okay, we're going to rise up and build. But is there an enemy at every turn of the way? Seriously? I mean, every Tuesday morning for sure. You know, <laughs> we have sound problems, you know, but it's okay because we're good, and you can hear me. So the Lord, he works things out, but there's always an enemy. Look at this. We got a couple of bad guys here. Then I went to the, to the governors in the region beyond the river and gave them the king's letters. Now the king had sent captains of the army and horsemen with me. When Sanballat and the Horite and Tobiah the Ammonite official heard of it, they were deeply disturbed that a man had come to seek the well-being of the children of Israel. Really? Seriously? 
I mean, here's these two bad guys. They don't want to see the city rebuilt. They're afraid of the Jewish nation, right? Because they're a strong nation when they come together. But I loved how, how the, even though we got the bad guys here, they really couldn't come against Nehemiah because, number one, the king had made him a governor, so now he's a governor, Okay, so he's a governor, has all these signed letters from the king with his seal, right? So Sanballat and Tobiah, they, they're going to cause him problems. As we see going through the rest of the book of Nehemiah, you'll see the problems they caused him. They, they were just terrible, just always bad guys at every corner. But greater is he that is in us, amen, than he that is in the world. So we, we got the upper hand, girls. Okay, this is the part I've been waiting for. This is the exciting, exciting part of Nehemiah. I love this so much. Back in verse 2, I mean, the Lord is just, I'm, I'm just like, like the psalmist said, he said, Lord, I am in awe of your word. And, and when I, I'm reading this and studying this, I'm going, Lord, I am in awe of your word. How it just all comes together, how he orchestrated this whole, this whole thing. But here's the exciting, exciting part. In verse 2, when it said, And it came to pass in the month of Nisan, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes. Why did the Holy Spirit put that date in there? This date was actually 445. It was in March, our March 445 B.C. Good, remember that date, March 4th, 445 B.C. This is the beginning of a, the prophetic clock begins to tick on a prophecy by Daniel. Look at this, Daniel 9.25. Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the command, to restore and build Jerusalem until Messiah the Prince. There shall be seven weeks and 62 weeks. The street shall be built again and the wall, even in troublesome times. Whoa, here's another one. Zechariah 9.9. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. He is just and having salvation, lowly, and riding on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Do you remember that? Do you remember who came into Jerusalem on the foal of a donkey? Our God, our Messiah, just as the prophecy said, exactly. Now, and I know this is kind of hard to understand about about these calculations, but a whole bunch of guys much smarter than, than me uh, figured it all out, okay? And, and I'm going to show you that in a minute. But let me show you one other scripture because remember when um, Jesus was coming into Jerusalem, I want you to see the New Testament scripture on that. In Matthew 21, 6 through 8, it says, So the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them. They brought the donkey and the colt, laid their clothes on them, and set him on them. And a very great multitude spread their clothes on the road. Others cut down branches from the trees and spread them on the road. This is what we call Palm Sunday, where they had the palm branches, and they were going before him and preparing the way, saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. 
That's what happened in Nehemiah. The fact that, that the king gave him the commandment to go and rebuild Jerusalem set this prophecy in motion. Is that amazing, girls? That is absolutely amazing how the Lord does all of this. It just blows me away. So speaking of the calendar, and I'm going to show you a little uh, graph in a minute and I hope you can understand it. But uh, remember, if you're going to try to figure this out, I just would recommend don't, don't even try because you have to take in consideration the Babylonian calendar. That was 360 days to a year. Then we switch over to the Julian calendar. You'd have to know when that happened, which is where we are now. So we have 365 days a year. And you have to also understand that when Daniel gave that prophecy of the uh, 62 weeks and the seven week, that weeks meant years in, in that vernacular. So if you take 483 years times 360 days, that equals 173,808. I told you not to try to figure it out, okay? But let me just tell you that it is exact because on this day that Jesus rode into Jerusalem on the donkey was April 6, AD 32, exactly, exactly 173,880 days from the prophecy. Woo! Is that good? How awesome is that, girls? If you ever had a question about, is your Bible true? Oh, my goodness. Here is just one prophecy. I told you there's hundreds regarding Jesus. Just one prophecy. This just gets me so excited. I have a hard time. I love this. Can't you just see Jesus coming into Jerusalem and all the palm leaves and everything? Okay, now, that means there's one week left. Uh, and this week, in this case, does not mean a year because this is what is referred to as Daniel's 70 weeks. Here's the chart. Let's see if I can explain it to you. Okay, so you see that first, it says seven weeks of years. That was the commandment that we just read in Nehemiah for um, Nehemiah to go and rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. Then 62 weeks passed, which is 434 years. That's where we came up with the 483 years. And, and it says Messiah, the prince, will be cut off. Of course, that was when he was crucified. So when I told you we were going to travel back maybe um, over well over 2,000 years to 2019, here we are. We're in that prophetic gap. That's us. We're the church age. We are waiting for that last week of Daniel to be completed. And you know what that means? That's when Jesus comes. That's when Jesus comes to take us home. Are you ready? Are you ready? Listen, I want to. Are you ready? I'm ready anytime. Woo, let's go. Yeah, that's what we're talking about. Girls, is scripture the most amazing thing in the world? I absolutely love that. So we are in the time, we are the Gentiles. We are in the time of the Gentiles. And can I tell you that every single prophecy regarding the coming of Jesus has been fulfilled except the rapture of the church. And that's us. And that's what's coming up next. We don't know what day. We don't know what hour. Even Jesus doesn't know. He said, only the Father knows. Only the Father knows. So uh, people try to speculate on that. I don't think that's a good idea <laughs> because only the Father knows. Amen. Exciting. Is that exciting? I'm so happy I got to share that with you. Okay, here's some more good news. I want to give you some more good news. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, 
at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. I am so ready to have this body changed. I want a new one. I want one that walks and works pretty good, you know? I am ready to be changed. Okay. I want to go back and say, okay, so from all of this amazing stuff, how can we apply it to us today? What do you think we learned? Well, number one, we know for a fact that the good hand of God is upon us. Amen? We can come boldly before the throne of God. We're not to be anxious. We're to let our requests be made known to God. Quick prayers are okay. When you're in a jam, a quick prayer is great. We are to obey our governing authorities unless it goes against the laws and standards of God. And whatever we do in our work, wherever we are, let's do it heartily as unto the Lord. And to serve one another in love, finding favor with all. Trust in the Lord with all our heart, and God will supply all our needs according to the riches in Christ Jesus. Remember, remember, we do have an enemy. Be on the alert. Watch out for him. He's there to try to trick you and pull you away from the truth that is in the word of God. And prophecy to me, when someone asks me, how could you believe in all those stories in the book? I mean, come on, men wrote them. How could you possibly believe that that's a word of God? To me, prophecy is God's seal of approval. It's his validation. Prophecy, loved ones. How could Nehemiah, he didn't know, you know, that he, when he went before the king, he just, the Lord put it on his heart. He went before the king, and that began that prophetic clock to start ticking. Huh? How, could, how could mere man possibly write something hundreds, in some cases thousands of years before it happens? Only God. Only God. Our Bible is true. It has no errors. It has no contradictions. Don't let anybody tell you that. And Jesus is coming again. And we're all going to be changed in a twinkling of an eye. Don't you like that? Boom, in a twinkling of an eye, we're going to have a whole new body. Everything's going to be just no wrinkles, you know? Everything's going to work good. <laughs> I love that. Okay, so this is my prayer that I pray always is that this particular scripture, this is what I want to hear the Lord say. When we get there, this is what I want to hear. His Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. Touches my heart. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Amen? Is that where we want to be? All right, girls, let's close with a word of prayer. Hallelujah. Father God, we just give you praise and honor and glory, Lord. To you belong just everything we think, Lord, everything we are, everything we hope to be, we give to you, Lord. We ask, Father God, in the name of Jesus, that your hand would be upon these women, Lord, that your hand would lead and guide them, that your Holy Spirit would give them understanding, Lord, would give them wisdom as we, as we go now into our time of groups, Lord, that, that uh, your Spirit would be sweet amongst us, Lord, that we would just encourage one another, yes, the day is coming, and we will be changed in a twinkling of a lie, a, a twinkling of an eye to you, Lord Jesus. We give you the praise and the honor and the glory. It's in your precious name we pray. 
Amen and amen.